Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Texas Tales podcast, the show where we talk about Texas history and enjoy ourselves a cocktail or two. I'm Ryan. And this is Tracy. Why don't you pour yourself a drink and join us for what we're sure will be a stimulating, partially factual Tales About Texas. What did you think of the movie, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas? Uh, I thought it was actually surprisingly good. I yeah. think this the more the the part that was surprising to me is that I'd never seen it before, and maybe just because I was sheltered and, and, and it was it like was way before introduced. your time. Yeah, it was way before my time, but also it's it's a Texas film. Yeah. About a Texas institution. Did you ever see Porky's when you were younger? I did see Porky's. That's what I'm saying. So, so I wasn't you saw too Porky's, <laughs> but you did not see the best little whorehouse in Texas, right? Which it very much was less raunchy than Porky's, of course. But it and still it's had musical. it still had the like they're definitely oh, playing on words, definitely right? The same the, the, the same, same idea. Period. Yeah, yeah. And it's Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds. So I always knew that Dolly Parton had been in it. Uh, one, she looks great. I think she looks fantastic. I thought she looked fantastic. I mean, sure, very good looking woman. Um, I got pretty excited when Burt Reynolds was in it because I didn't realize that there was a strong supporting uh, actor alongside Dolly. Yeah, and that was like and him he, at his prime, and he played a very a very funny. I good mean, it's role. like Burt Reynolds smoking the Bandit, yeah. and bam, Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Best Little Horrors in Texas. What made the film for me was the dynamic between them, those two. Yeah. Right? They were very kind of funny together and very yeah. natural together. Yeah. Um, and then obviously all the debauchery that, that takes place and ensues. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I was a little bit shocked by the music that came out of such a film. And we're going to get into some of that in yeah. a little bit. And then I was also... Um, I was under... I. That film would never be made today. <laughs> no. There's yeah. so many films like that. Right. <coughs> that absolutely could not be made today. Right. I mean, for different reasons. They and wouldn't the thing touch is, that is I'm thinking that we are... Um, what's the... We are, we, we're, we're almost conditioned to look for that now. Oh yeah, right. Right. Um, you see, Steve Carell in the Office. He basically said we could not make the Office today. That was not that long ago. This movie was in 1982, I think. Wow. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you've got the things. You're like, it almost. But you've been you've been sensitized to it. You're like, that couldn't happen. Right. <laughs> right. So like ten years ago, you'd be like, well, that's kind of awkward. And then ten years before that, you're like, "Well, that's normal." Well, what's really interesting is I wonder if you if you watch it with an older population who watched it, I guess, in the theaters, whatever the case may be. Oh. do they watch it today? And they're like, "Oh yeah, nothing. There's nothing wrong with this." Oh, I think they make excuses for it, but I think they this know. Is totally they normal. think they know there's something wrong with it. Yeah, I got to tell you, there were a couple times where I I looked. I don't know that I looked away, but there were a couple times where I was kind of like taken back by 
folk. Did that happen? Did they just say that? Yeah, yeah, that? absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, to many of y'all's dismay, we're not going to spend the whole hour uh, we actually talking about the quality of the production of the Vessel of Horizon, Texas. Um, I actually used this movie watching experience to uh, do some research. <laughs> Uh, on today's topic and what I wanted to talk about today because I thought it was one of those that you're just not going to get on any history podcast about Texas is you know and maybe for good reason which is the debacle we're no. going to go down here no 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 is, if, you're not, if you're not talking about this kind of stuff you're not is the chicken ranch yeah the chicken and ranch. you know what's funny is with the chicken ranch so um it's one of those things so I grew up in the let's call it born in the 70s grew up in the 80s you know matured a little bit in well, still maturing, I guess, over time, is the chicken ranch is something you kind of knew about, right? It was out there. It was almost like lore. Hmm. Today, I don't know that a lot of people know about it, which is why I'm always searching for these like topics that like people are going to be like, wow, that is history, and I knew nothing about that. Right. And so I hope to shed some light on that today and do it in a pretty uh, entertaining way, not necessarily in a just facts and figures and so on and so forth. Well, I don't think we ever take our ourselves too seriously. <laughs> well, we try not to. Right. And I don't think it would be any fun to listen to if we if did we take absolutely ourselves did. too seriously. Yep. Right? What was uh, shocking to me about the chicken ranch, I had, to your point, I had heard about it before. Mm -hmm. It was almost spoken as if it was Texas lore. It was an institution. I didn't realize it had been around for so long. Uh, since 1905. Yeah. It had been around since 1905. And so it's in, uh, just for those of y'all who are like, I have no idea what these guys are talking about. Um, it's in LaGrange, Texas. Um, which we're not trying to focus on Southern Texas, but just kind of the time period we're in, that seems where most of our stuff is right now. Um, in Southern Texas, uh, between um, about halfway between uh, Houston and Austin. Yep. Um, and uh, LaGrange is set, sits on the Colorado River. Mm -hmm. uh, it is um, a great town, um, and it is kind of the, the center for Fayette County, um, which is just a great little county if you've ever been down there. Um, Fayette County and LaGrange going back way before 1905, uh, had prostitution. So there was, um, I think going back to like 1844, I mean, some ridiculous time as probably in most settlements and towns kind of on the edges, they did bring, you know, air quotes, ladies of the night. Mm -hmm. Um, so they had a, they had a hotel there and a lady rented a room and her and three ladies, I think, that she brought with her, uh, the madam, three ladies that she brought with her from New Orleans, entertained guests. Um, that went on for, uh, for some time until about the Civil War. Oh, wow. In the Civil War, her and one of the most popular uh, um, prostitutes that worked there uh, were run out of town because they were deemed Yankees. And so that shut down. Whoa. Yeah. That was what they took offense to. That's what they took offense to. All and, the things they took offense to being Yankees. And they weren't Yankees. They were from New Orleans. Well, I, I don't know. In my research, I couldn't get back to where they were actually from. But everyone believed that at least two of the four were definitely Yankees. Wow. How about that? Ran out of town. Yeah. You're no good here. No, we don't. You're not welcome. You're not we don't welcome. Want your kind. Before that, for a long period of time, they were actually, for about 10 years, they did well for themselves. I'm sure they were pillars of the community. Yeah, they were. So, um, the chicken ranch as we know it um, started in about 1905. Um, there was a madam there by the name of, they, well, they call her Miss Jessie. And yeah, so Miss Jessie is kind of was the madam in town. She also was in town. So, she bought a house in LaGrange 
on the lower Colorado River, and that's where she kind of ran her her operation. Her, her operation for that's a pretty amazing, time. man. So is it? It was something that was kind of started prior to 1905. Is that what I'm hearing? Where basically you're saying there was a different woman who came with some girls. Yeah, it wasn't a transition. So what it seemed like is is there was one house of ill repute. Mm-hmm. It got shut down. Mm-hmm. And then on the heels of that, a second house of ill repute sprung up pretty quickly. So for a lot of people in town, it felt like the same thing, but it was not necessarily the same thing. It's interesting because it's almost like the first round uh, kind of planted the seed yep. in this population. Yep. And then somebody saw an opportunity and they said, you know what? I'm going to run with this. Absolutely. Right. And then we're going to literally move into town and they and did yeah and they 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 had a house like they were known miss jesse was interesting interesting from the town population and for the locals and the politicians and the sheriff as being um different than what you would think of a madam so she um she did not allow drunkards in her establishment so um she she wanted folks that were generally sober but she also was very welcoming to the sheriff different politicians. Yep. And so they welcomed her. They right. they liked her. They thought she was great for business. They She allowed them to come in. There was never trouble at her place. And that was what she was known for was, you know, her girls conducted themselves in a certain way. So she had very strict rules for them. Um, they, um, they if, if someone, they were not allowed to drink, they were not allowed to act in certain ways, upstanding in the community, you know, things like that. And so really she caused no ruckus. Right? It's interesting because do they not sell booze then at the at this? No, they did not the sell ranch? booze there. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, think about how much money you're losing out with on that. So what ended up happening is over time, her business became good, and you know, as well as I do, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Yep. Other people started kind of moving in, and that area of uh, on the Lower Colorado became almost like a red light district. Oh wow! Well, so the re- when she was doing it by herself, it was generally. No one said it. It was fine. Whatever. Like we'll move on. When it became a red light district or just a whole area that was like this, then all of a sudden there became um, the town became more aware and it was kind of more viewed as a negative. And so in prepar- it, when she realizes this, she early on moves and buys a piece of land outside of town, hmm. um, ten acres, which is on the. Um, uh, what is uh, known as the Austin-Houston Highway. So she buys 10 acres out there. So now she's outside of town completely. Yep. And if you've ever gone I-10 and cut through LaGrange, that's the highway that runs from it's basically... 71. Yeah, 71. Yep. That runs right from there through LaGrange mm-hmm. on into uh, Austin. That's where... So she moves outside of town, kind of more closer to 71. And and that location is the location that is forever known as, uh, as the Chicken as the Ranch. Chicken ranch. Yeah. And so um, it gains in popularity over the years. Um, people continue to come. She's, she's outside of town now, so she doesn't have to deal with all that. One of the things that Miss Jessie was known for was she was very giving. So probably just a good businesswoman. But what she did was she, um, um, she donated to the town. She was well known. If you asked people about Miss Jessie in town, most of the citizens say, oh, she's a nice woman. Sure. Um, she donated to the Little League teams. She donated to the civic centers. Like she, she did things to make sure that she stayed in very good standings with the community of well, LaGrange. good for business, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And one of her rules was um, the, um, the ladies that she had working there were not allowed to go into town and uh, socialize. 
um, with the people there. So they, they were literally there making money. They were making good money, as I understand it, but they weren't allowed to fraternize with people in town. Wow. So they're relegated to this 10-acre piece of land, and that's it. Yeah. And you're in the middle. I mean, you're literally in the outskirts of LaGrange, Texas. Yep, absolutely. So oh. she sold her place in 1917. So 1917 is about the time when the, uh, as you think of the chicken ranch today, um, if you see old photos, that's that's the earliest known photos of what the chicken ranch was. Um, so one of the things that I found very interesting is that in the same time in 1917, they began advertising. The chicken ranch did? Uh-huh. Is this, this, is this still Miss Jessie? It's Miss Jessie. So she then got kind of this bug, I guess, to advertise. So she's like, we're out here in the middle of nowhere. How are we going to get people to come to us? And so she started advertising. And at this time, it's around World War I. Okay. So her girls get busy sending care packages to World War I soldiers. Smart. Yeah. So when they come home on leave, on visit, they come to her place and thank her for the care packages and maybe linger a while. Sure. I thought that was amazing. That is and amazing. then at the same time, so now the boys are all coming home from World War One. the automobile is more prevalent. And so now the pe- these, these, these guys, men and boys, are mobilized. So better accessibility to the chicken ranch. So now they can drive from much further to get there, where before she was dealing kind of in the, the area which is LaGrange. Right. Now she has folks coming in from all over because of this. Wow. So she becomes really, really popular. That's pretty um, amazing. Yeah, it's cool, right? So yeah. I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. And then, so what ended up happening was, is over time, rooms got added on. Because now more girls wanted to work there because they were making money and they understood that, that, that um, if they worked there, they could make good money doing it. And then they had more girls, so more boys came, and then it just kept growing. So, so at some point, at one point, they had almost 17 women working there. Every woman, so what she did is she, she uh, bought her initial home, and then every time that a woman was added, she would add another room. So at some point, it looked like all these rooms just kind of added on, yeah. you know, over time. And um, each one was a room to itself. So it had a bathroom and then the room. Um, one of the rules at this point, because the business got so, so big, um, was that no girl could lock her door. So she was not putting, you know, the, the thing there was don't put yourself at risk. So you're right. not going to lock any door. Right. Um, and the sheriff at this point, um, every night would come from LaGrange out to her place and he would visit them sure. to make sure just, that everything's on the up and up. Just checking in. Just checking in yeah. on the up and up. Yeah. He, um, what I read to was that he also liked to uh, talk to the girls because he would find out good information, like almost informant information, gossip oh. and crimes that had been committed and so on and so forth. And I that tradition that. went on. Uh, for, from that time almost till the end of the chicken ranch, whatever sheriff was there, I think they had two or three sheriffs over that time, would actually come out there and um, and would talk to the girls and like, what did you hear and those type of things. Well, that makes really good sense. If you Honestly, believe that's what they were actually doing, sure, it's a good cover. But it's also if it if it is true, uh, that makes sense because you're you're definitely going to be in the know. More than anybody else because you're you're around these guys all the time and yeah. they're from every background and everything else so you would definitely be plugged in i would assume absolutely and so 
you know, while you're going out there to, to check, on, check the ladies, on the ladies, uh, ask why questions. Not, why not get plugged in? Yeah, one story I uh, read was that um, uh, the sheriff would actually pace up and down the halls, kind of make the guys nervous so that they, you know, get done quicker. Yeah. But then also make sure that they know that they need to be on their best behavior while they're there. Right. But what an interesting scenario uh, yeah. that is. The dynamic, for sure. Uh, it's such a, it's such a to me it seems like such a, a revolutionary concept uh, for that time period when it's you know nineteen seventeen. Yeah. Are we still talking about yeah. No, we're about nineteen seventeen, nineteen twenty, somewhere around that area. Um, but it sounds like it's a pretty good little setup that she's got for herself. So now comes, which actually is the part where I was like trying to figure out like where did the name the Chicken Ranch come from? Right. Like how right. do you get that name? Yeah. So. Um, Comes the night, you know, we're still in the early 1900s. We go through the Great Depression. And in the Great Depression, um, uh, the madam has to uh, lower her prices. So mm-hmm. she is not being able to bring folks in. People can't put food on their tables, much less come to a whorehouse, right, right, and visit them and so on and so forth. So she ends up lowering the prices, lowering the prices. She ended up lowering the prices so much that she was almost giving business away. So she didn't know what to do. So one day, a guy showed up with a chicken. An actual chicken. An actual chicken. And she literally said... a live chicken? A live chicken. A live chicken. And she literally was like, okay. (laughs) Like, literally, okay. Like, we need chicken. We need to eat, too. Like, my girls are starving. We've got to eat. So, we'll take your chicken. So, it it got around town that that you could bring poultry. And literally, there was a quote. It was like, chickens for a screw. And so you could bring your chicken and get screwed. And then one observer noticed that at some point there were hundreds of chickens in the yard. They're just running reckless. They're running crazy chickens. <laughs> they, had, they literally had a chicken ranch. And that's why it was known that way. It wasn't some cute advertising. No. It was literally a chicken ranch because they had so many chickens. And they were, they were using that to barter for sex. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's where the name came from. So was the country just so plush with chickens that they were willing to give them away for um, no? I think an that hour or I the think case that is? these guys were. I mean, if you don't have, we're money, taking money. We're taking a chicken from their table, right? That's what I'm and saying. saying instead of y'all eating, family, I'm yes. going to yes. go right. go have some fun, right? hundred percent. Right. So I'm broke. I'm broke. I have two chickens in the yard. What? One of them's going. One's with me. going to Miss Jessie. The other one's going to the family. And we'll figure it out. Yeah, that's uh, pretty amazing. That's I didn't know that. So hundreds of chickens, as I understand it, is what she had in the yard. So, so many chickens. She 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 struggled feeding the chickens, and she couldn't eat them fast enough. <laughs> well, then she should have turned around and started selling chickens. Yeah. If she didn't, I mean, I'd be surprised, but. Uh, she had it going on, it sounds like. So in 1946, we're going to fast forward a bit. Okay. Um, one sheriff is gone. A new sheriff comes in. Mm-hmm. New regime. Yep. The old sheriff used to go there every night. The new sheriff did not go there every night. But what he had done was he had a direct phone line installed from the chicken ranch to the sheriff's office. And every night, he'd pick up the phone and he'd call the madam and say, tell me what you've heard. What's going on? That tradition stayed until it, like I said, until it was shut down. Wow. So he wasn't out there walking the halls and, and doing all that, but he was definitely still, there was good information, obviously. Well, 
he I, I joked a bit about, oh, of course you're going to be there. But it sounds like they were getting good enough information to where it was important to keep that line of communication. Maybe he just wasn't as invested as the pre, as his predecessor, right? Uh, it sounds like the guy before him might have cared a little bit too much um, about the company and the information right. to where this guy sounds like he's more disinterested in the information. So or maybe th- he's just worried about gas prices. So he now at this point, think about it. The chicken ranch has been around for 40 years. This yeah. is not just some come by night kind of business. It's right. It's been there for a long, long time. It's lasted through a sheriff or two. It's seen numerous, I'm assuming Ups girls and downs, come and go. All sorts of stuff, right? Is it still Miss Jessie running it? Uh, it transitions at some point. Okay. So I think at this point, it's kind of transitioned to the next. There was a lady who started off as a prostitute. Now yeah, she kind of took ownership. Sure. The, the Miss Jessie got sick. A go-getter. Yeah, she got sick. So this lady kind of elevated and, mm-hmm. and kind of started running the joint. Um, so um, what she did really well was... Um, she really created the discipline that Miss Jessie had before. So still continuing with the rules. These rules at this point were, um, you know, no, again, no drinking, no tattoos at this point, Mm. no crazy sex. I don't know what crazy sex is, but that was (laughs) You're not not paying enough for it. Whatever. It's it's no crazy sex. Right. and so there was a very set kind of rules. So there's when you showed up, you knew you're not getting out of line. Yeah. You're going to stay within the parameters that we have set for you and you'll be in good standings. Yeah. By the way, it was like $15 for 15 minutes, which to me sounds like that's pretty expensive back in that's the days. a lot of money. It seems like a lot of money yeah. back then. Yeah, so $15 for, sure. for 15 minutes, I'm probably going to need 30 bucks. What if I only need two? <laughs> right. right. Is it probably a barter system? Sure. Can we do this? You, you used to take chickens. Like, can we negotiate? <laughs> don't say Let's you're above this. Let's now, okay? Let's <laughs> right. not get ahead of ourselves. No, it's, what I was going to say is it sounds like um, these measures are put in place to protect the girls. Mm-hmm. Right? Which, 100%. Which I, I think she cared about the understand. That sort of thing. She cared about the girls, which probably means that's she cared asset, about her business. That's your money, right? So on that's, and so forth. That's all that. So that, that makes sense. So to your point about caring about the girls, so one of the things that um, she insisted on, so... Um, she would ensure that the girls saw a doctor once a week. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things I read is a lot of places didn't care about the girls. They didn't care about the men. They didn't care about whatever. For her, it really was kind of a, you need to go see the doctor. Like, we're going to take care of you, right? So the girls would make X amount of money per week. They would pay her 75% of the proceeds that they got. Oh, 25% went to them. 75% though went to her paying all their bills. So they paid for almost nothing while they were there. So they, they, the room and board, the doctor fees, the house, uh, sorry, I said house, the food, you know, everything that they had, they, she, she generally paid for all that, all the advertising, like anything you can imagine that went into it. She took that. They took 25% uh, away. I'm going to get into some numbers in a little bit, at least about what she made. And you're going to be like, whoa, whoa. Okay. So as of right now, this is my thought. They are essentially independent contractors, right? 25% profit. I feel like it's probably pretty good. Now, what you're going to say is basically, is it worth what you're giving up? I don't know. That's the decision that all these girls are making for themselves. But operating as a, a independent contractor, a essentially a small business owner, each in every one of these girls, right? Um, a 25% profit is a 25% profit. I have to imagine these girls probably didn't have much when they went in. Right. And they made a, and whatever she promised them sounded like a lot. Yep. 
uh, which I think is probably the you're lure for any head. person to do that. Yeah. You got a roof over your head. Like, what else are you going to do? And and I'm not making an excuse for it. I'm just saying, like, that's right. probably what they ended up thinking. Also, this I'm, is... I'm assuming they left and they were still prostitutes. It's not like yeah. they rose up out of this situation. Right. Yeah. So this was uh, my other thought when you were when you were discussing um, her taking care of the girls. Is it because she had a big heart or do you think she's protecting her asset, right? I mean, these girls are her business, so it makes sense that they essentially would be uh, taken care of because if she keeps them happy and healthy, then her business stays happy and healthy. Yeah, from everything I read, uh, to your point, it's it's she's a businesswoman. She's taking care of her assets, right? Um, I'm not going to say she didn't care about the women that live well, there. I'm just going to say that for the most part, you want to... So her, her place was generally nice. Yep. Um, so people viewed it as it was a well-kept place. It wasn't like it was dreads, mm-hmm. right? It was the dregs. It was the worst. And you want to keep your asset, you know, you got to keep making money. So one thing I read is about the same time is that a girl on a... Uh, maybe I should say a female on a bad day would see five men on a good day would see 20 whoa that's a lot of men so there was a line so a couple things here there was a line of men out her door and a hundred percent of the men she said at that point it was documented were either uh servicemen or students hmm like that's the entire line, and they were they were literally it was a line out the door. Ten miles outside of Lagrange in the early 1900s, when it's not that easy to travel. Or about 1950 at this point. 1950, and yeah. it's not that easy to travel to get out to Lagrange, which essentially is, I don't know, an hour, a little bit more over an hour outside of Austin, and then an hour and a half to two hours outside, outside of Houston, Houston. Right. and. and it's, Today, and, yeah, and then we're gonna get into it. You're only about an hour and a half from College Station, which was an all male school, so we'll talk about that here in a second. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's amazing, and you got to think about it. So they, you had your buddy, and your buddy had a car. Well, it's not going to be your your buddy and his car. It's going to be your buddy, his car, and his four or five friends that all cram in there. Right. And they all got their 15 bucks that mom and daddy sent them. They're going to go, you know, live yeah. it up and have a great time. Right. Or that the United States government's paying them for leave, and they're going to go have a great time. Well, and then what? So what do you do once you're, you've got 15 minutes? So you're not, are you staying in LaGrange? No. Is there accommodations? There's no, nothing I around there. I, you know, I've been to LaGrange, and even know, to this day, not, there's, not, there's not a lot going on. not a lot to accommodate you know, this influx of people that are coming in. So you're driving all the way out there. And then I guess you're just driving all the way back or you're sleeping in your car. So I guess that's for you to decide. In the 1950s and 1960s, uh, early 1960s, Texas A&M was still a all boys school. Mm -hmm. A part of freshman initiation was to go down to LaGrange. So, you know, I don't want to say this, and for all of you Aggies that will listen to this, you're going to absolutely hate me and probably unfollow this podcast if you're following it at all. But if your dad or your grandfather oh, graduated from <laughs> in the 50s or 60s, there's a chance he went to the chicken ranch. There's a high probability. A high probability from what I understand. Yeah. Like, that was the A&M thing. And the reason that they said that they did that was because any other girl in that vicinity probably went to UT. And you did not want to be with her. 
So they're saying, if I can follow the storyline along, that prostitutes at the chicken ranch are better than girls from UT. Just saying. Well, I would assume that the Aggies would agree with that. So maybe <laughs> they, you don't hate him as much. Well, he's not condoning either one. He's just saying this is what he's. This is the logic he's following. Like I said, I made some big leaps there, <laughs> but I'm just saying I'm following the facts where the facts go. Dude, that's crazy that 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 was part of uh, initiation for freshmen at A and M. That's yeah. really an ingrained. That's your growing up. You're part of. That's part of the institution. Yeah, and it, it wasn't point. limited to them. So there were a lot of politicians that were associated with Texas A&M that went out there. I mean, it was, you know, it was it was kind of well Well, again, the time, right? It's a major thing. It's well understood. It sounds like it's accepted, right? It's not being shut down. Right. It's, it's accepted for what it is. Um, and it's, it's just what people do. And Absolutely. so, I don't know. I mean, are you going to say no to it because of some moral qualms. Maybe you do, but it sounds like the vast majority of guys are using this as a rite of passage. Yeah. I think it was a thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the Texas DPS surveyed or surveilled the chicken ranch back in 1960. And, uh, they stayed there for two days in two days. They saw 484 individual customers go in and out of there. This was not a small operation. Was this a stakeout? It was a stakeout. stakeout outside. Yeah, I think the attorney general was trying to figure out, like, is this something or not? And there was a crackdown around that time around organized crime. And they were trying to figure out, is this a part of some bigger organized crime thing? Yeah. Or it's not. It's, it, it doesn't it, sound it never like it was. was. It right. never was. It right. was individual. They, they've done their own, like, investigations over time. And, and even though it was shut down at some point, there was no organized crime associated with this all. But you've got to think, they were probably very concerned about that. Mm-hmm. Um, each year through the... Um, through the 60s, um, she claimed and paid taxes on it that she made over half a million dollars a year. Through the 60s? Through the 60s. Whoa. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, especially in the 60s. Per year. Well, okay, so if she's doing that, then these girls are 25% ahead. I mean, they're doing pretty good for themselves too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of money being had there. Right. And it's amazing to me that it's, there's nothing, there's not organized crime. There's not alcohol. It's, it's very much, we sell one thing here and they did very well. It is a country cat house. Yeah. So what happened to it? So let's fast forward now. So you got to think undisturbed Undisturbed. for, from 1905 to, we get to 1972. Yep. In 1972, there is a uh, reporter mm-hmm. out of Houston, Marvin Zindler. Oh, Eyewitness News. With his blue, uh, he, had the, he had the blue uh, oh, he, shades. He had it. He Sunglasses. was decked out in yeah. the nicest whatever. He was kind of a consumer advocate, so he was there to protect the people. He looked very much like a Colonel Sanders, if you're not familiar. Very, very much. But, but uh, I guess boisterous. Yeah, and he was young in his career. Yeah. And so, um, so, for some reason, and I know why now, and I'll end with this, I probably, but for some, for some reason, to people unbeknownst to the whole situation, like every citizen out there, he really got his panties in a wad about this, this whorehouse out in LaGrange. Well, it's a good story. It's a great story, and it brought a lot of publicity. Yeah. 
and there it was at the time like the only whorehouse in Texas, and right. so it was is an hour outside of you know an hour outside an hour and a half outside of Houston. Yeah. So he's like, I'm gonna go take this on. So he went to Lagrange, posted up, brought all the news cameras, and really started to like bring news to that town and go back to Houston. Lagrange got the Houston feeds or broadcasts, and they were like, oh crap, like this isn't good for us, right? And so he really started to bring. Um, uh, attention to it to the point to it got to the state yeah so it got to the attorney general saw it the governor saw it and eventually in a year later so I mean, he made quick work of this a year later it was shut down yeah i was gonna say you know i think that something like this an operation like this it it um it does better obviously on the fringes right and it's great when you're when the locale is what it is where you can kind of pull from these towns but it's still kind of like a a fringe thing uh, as soon as you shine a light on it and the word gets out to the state of texas to yep. people that are i mean obviously we know that texas is is obviously a lot more conservative and part of the bible belt and all that um it's going to be an issue right so there really becomes there's a lot on this and i i didn't think it was entertaining enough to actually talk about today and mm -hmm. it kind of i was reading through it, i was like okay i don't care about that that much mm -hmm. But it talked about the inner workings between the attorney general actually contacting Marvin Zendler and Channel 13 in Houston and saying, listen, if you're going to go expose something, this is right in your backyard. Like you could do us a favor and actually help us kind of do an expose on this thing. Mm -hmm. And he did. And Marvin Zendler told him, anything you send my way, I'll do. Wow. So he wanted that publicity. He wanted that connection to the state. And that is the thing that really broke um, it made this story a national story. So mm -hmm. Marvin Zendler now was on the national stage. He was kind of big time. He was celebrating Houston. And that was kind of how he got his career to start. Um, and so, yeah, they ended up getting it shut down. Uh, the sheriff, who was close to the, the madam at the time, had to call her up and say, listen, I got to shut you down. And she was given basically 24 hours just to shut shop and go. Wow. Yeah. What a story. Yeah. I mean, a... a you know, that's an institution that, that lasted decades and was doing so much money. So much money. And it's connected to so many people in the state, whether it's, it be your boys that are out there serving, right. your, your students went to school, or the politicians that are serving you. Like, it was not a secret to the people that were in the know. Well, and the, the roots, and it's ingrained in, you know, the history of Texas with yeah. the universities or with the, like you said, the people that Absolutely. are fighting wars or the... The kids that are basically using it as a rite of passage. That's uh, that's pretty amazing. That went far and wide. I was not expecting the chicken ranch to have such a, uh, a vast reach, but I'm impressed. I wasn't expecting through my research to get as fascinated by it as I was. I was like, right. oh, okay, a little whorehouse in Texas. I don't right. want to know or care, blah, blah. And then you read into it. And it's like, well, if it lasted for a year or two or 10, maybe, I'd probably be like, okay, that's not even worth talking about. Yeah. But the fact that it lasted as long as it did and, you know, right under the nose of, of many, like that's that to me is well, fascinating. Yep. And especially with the fact that it was, uh, it sounds like, welcomed by the local community. Like, I mean, no it wasn't like she was um, a dark spot to the yeah. community. She was well respected within the community. She was donating money and yep. taking part in in um you know civil stuff so that's that's that says something yeah absolutely yeah. um for those of y'all who have are from texas and have not seen uh the vessel of warehouse in texas i'm not recommending it but i would say that if you're entertained it's definitely more of an adult show um even though it's probably more like pg-13 in our world today 
but it's worth it's it's entertaining enough to go check it out. I think you rent it on Amazon for like three ninety nine or something. It's yeah, worth it. It's worth a watch. However, I will say this: if you are a an Aggie football player or former Aggie football player, you probably will be a little embarrassed by how the football team is represented. It is. It is. I laughed because I'm not an Aggie, but I cringed for all my Aggie friends. There might be some bandanas around the necks and pearl some snap shirts, coiffed hair, and some dance routines. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. I don't think those men were actually visiting the, I don't think the, they were the actual chicken ranch. athletes at AM. Right. <laughs> <So. laughs> Anyways, good story. Yep. Thanks for spending the time. All right, friends, that's going to do it for this episode of the Texas Tales podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. If you'd like to keep up with us outside of the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at TXTalesPodcast, or you can visit our online store at www.independencetrailretail.com for all things Texas swag. I'm Ryan, and that's Tracy. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.